DrakeHallMemphis.com. Sure. Today is an Ask Lawyer Bill Thursday, 7.30. Our friend William Jones, the Jones Law Firm, will join us to discuss things that you need assistance, help, direction, guidance, and such with in the in the world of law, law and stuff, being lawyers, making tons of money. Bill has about five of those little tiny cars now. He's that that big of a guy. <laughs> those baby cars. Five tiny cars, different colors. So anything you want to ask him, uh, 878-9420, get those in. A couple of stories we have to let him analyze and look at, too, uh, as the morning progresses. Some new songs to play you. Um, some folks might not consider the artist Pink to be rock and roll, but this discussion has been had ad nauseum. Uh, it, it's either good or it's bad. And of all the female singers, I can't even begin to start with how many there, there have been the past decade or two. She's the one that stands out to me as being the top of the heap as far as songwriting and the songs on this album include tunes with her and the Lumineers. She and Chris Stapleton do a song. She does a song that will give you chills uh, about people who have passed on to a different place. And she addresses them. Her, her dad died last year and she has lost uh, other friends as we all have. And it really just is unbelievable. Uh, Teddy Swims, we brought this up yesterday. If you didn't, if you don't know who this guy is, it his his story is uh, is really interesting. There have been a handful of artists that came off of YouTube that uh, they had enough talent and enough uh, organic uh, word spreading of who they were and who they are to get attention from record labels and from a wider audience. We first began to play him a couple of years ago, and he was doing cover songs, and they were just, just you know, mind blowing, and videos went along with them. He then, in back, uh, I guess, two summers ago, uh, one of these national uh, news things that I get about the music business, a guy wrote a t uh, this entire piece about a song that he thought should be the hit of the summer. It was upbeat, poppy, fun. The video was fantastic. And it was called Broke. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that introduced him to a bigger audience. And he continues to tour and to do records of all kinds. He does cover versions of some popular songs. And he has taken the one song, maybe one of the most uh, enduring songs on radio, Journeys Don't Stop Believing," And I, I was hesitant but um, he's so good that he does this, and he does it in the exact same style and fashion that Journey did it. And then wow. our friends in the band Rock Sugar did it and got sued because the vocal was so dead on. Steve Perry thought that it was a ripoff, or they, they, they had sampled his singing for their own song. And lawsuits ensued, and it pretty much ruined Rock Sugar's career. So uh, Teddy Swims does it, and man, can this guy sing. It's, there's nothing he can't do. So we have those things to share and various stories. And again, uh, questions for Lawyer Bill about your personal trials and tribulations, 878-9420 for Bill, as he will join us later on this morning. To begin, let us go to this thing that Wes pulled up here 
five phrases, five phrases <laughs> that people immediately discount what you're saying when you begin to talk. Oh, um, I, I want to hear one of my least favorite is let me be honest with you. Yep. Which means that you're usually lying. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, as opposed to lying to you, that needs to go away. What else do you have, Wes? Uh, there's well, there's five different ones here. These come from uh, communication coach Alan Samuel Cohen, who wrote this book called The Connection Challenge for Executives and Business People. And these are the five phrases he pointed out. The first one is, but said if you put but as a conjunction it just calls the first part of what you said into question right away uh, and lets people yeah. you know, start to doubt you so that's what so you lay on the compliments or the good news and then you pause and go but you really look like crap yeah or just, that that's a great idea but yeah so that's one of the five phrases that make people discount what you're saying. Uh, next one he said is prefacing what you say with this might be stupid, silly, whatever. You're just diluting everyone's confidence in what you're about to say by you just, dismissing it beforehand. You just shot yourself in the foot out of the box. Right. This may suck, but well, then it obviously sucks or you wouldn't <laughs> even have Right. So anyway. just say what you're going to say. No confidence, which is a... A stop point right there. Okay, good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the th third of these phrases is respectfully. And I love the quote here the way he says, if you have to qualify your statement with respectfully or with all due respect, what follows isn't likely to be respective and often won't be productive. Mm -hmm. And even if Passive you are aggressive, yeah. Right. It, even if you are earnestly saying saying respectfully, then with uh, all due it's respect, not going to be taken that way. Yeah. You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, and he also says the same thing goes for the word honestly for the very reasons that you pointed out a minute ago. I hate that, yeah. I hate that too. To be the, honest with you, for a change. The other phrase, or two, the other fourth phrase here is, I'm so busy. And he says, this actually could work to your advantage. It says you may make people reluctant to continue the conversation because they think they're taking up time you don't have, which might be exactly what you want. If not, then... Uh, you're just kind of cutting yourself off or or people may also think that you're trying to uh, make yourself look more busy and important than you actually are whether it's mm -hmm. true or not mm -hmm. that's the perception that could be brought up so yeah hmm. a number of people do that i am just so swamped uh, no you're not you're trying to avoid <laughs> a conversation with me and so you tell me that you're just you're just too busy to even fool with this so and then uh, it is a dismissal of the person almost immediately Yep. And then the last of these five phrases that uh, you sh probably shouldn't use because people will discount what you're saying is try. When someone says, yeah, I'll, okay, I will try and get that done. It makes the other, makes it makes you think that they're not really going to try all that hard because it's not a priority. They're just throwing it off. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I'll try to hmm. do that. Okay. Um, that's like, uh, I remember one of my dad's uh, favorite things. Uh, we were, you know, little kids, and you would ask him, "Can we do this? Can we have this?" Pause. His answer: "We'll see." Oh, oh yeah. that was my dot, mother. Dot, dot. Oh, oh, we'll that see. Was my mother. It's not a complete and total no, nor is it a yes. It's a we'll see. And but after so, a, it usually goes away. Yeah, a few times, yeah. and then your kids get a certain age, and they're like, "That means no." 
uh, one of the things that I, uh, when I sit up here sometimes and uh, watch hours of YouTube videos of of actors or of authors or of musicians and listen to in-depth interviews with them, and if the people that are interviewing them are good, they ask them the right kind of questions to get a response that is honest. And um, James Lipton, who I have brought up before, who interviewed actors uh, for decades, all the biggies of days gone by and the more recent ones as well until he died a, a few years ago. The actor studio was what he was um, representing. Show was on PBS, I guess, and he had a series of questions, as many interviewers do, to ask the guest at the end of the uh, interview. And he would ask them, what's your favorite word? And uh, Paul Newman, who I have brought up before because I think he's one of the most impressive adults uh, slash actors and stars, mainly a good man. Uh, his answer was one word, and the word was try. So taken in that context, it means something else than what Wes just said about, oh, I'm trying to do this. His was about encouraging you to not give up. Try. Yeah. So there are different ways to interpret that word. Oh, sure. Um, and so, but, oh, I'm, oh, I'm trying, I'm trying. No, you're not. Uh, but in his context, it meant, and he said it with this, with this, 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 this passion. Try. Don't give up. So there you go. There's some uh, interesting things to think about today when you're in your corporate setting in another waste of time meeting uh, <laughs> that accomplishes nothing. And uh, I wish people would learn about those meetings. They don't accomplish a gosh damn thing. And I have horrible memories of meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings uh. and meetings. Bad, bad, bad. And nothing ever gets done. And people leave pissed off and it's a complete waste of time. So, um, anyway, there are some thoughts for us. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Jones. Uh, Bill Jones, our friend is coming up. <laughs> Ask Lawyer Joe will be here in a few minutes. <laughs> and uh, uh, 878-9420 is that number. We'll work in some of these uh, these tunes today for you and and expose you to some good new music. And uh, they're all it's all different and good and interesting, we hope, and as is the music on the station all day, which we hope you enjoy. As we prepare to go into March with a number of new podcasting special programs, and we will be discussing that uh, uh, next week especially. And we're waiting for the uh, sign to go on talking about Memphis in May and the Beale Street Music Festival, which by all indications will be announced Monday or Tuesday as they still haggle over some what seem to be small points, but uh, when, you, when it's talking about big money and city politics and that kind of garbage it thing, it's kind of hard to wade through the muck sometimes. But that will all pass, and we'll have more on that for you Monday or Tuesday. And we look forward to um, seeing how all of this plays itself out. So we'll come back in a minute. In the meantime, texting for Bill is open, or any comments you may have about life in general are fine. 878 9420 is the phone number. And since the music log that I have, uh, just I love how these computer machine things just eat things uh, and it just goes away. But I got it back. And looky here, here is the album that won Bonnie Raitt 
her first series of Grammy Awards in 1991. It was a great one. Bonnie Raitt's Nick of Time. This is Drake Digital. This is Drake Digital with Drake West and Sid in the morning. Keep up with the shows and podcasts at drakehallmemphis.com. Lawyer Bill on the way in a moment or two. 878-9420 is where you text to ask Bill questions about your legal woes and wearies and messes. And uh, he'll give you advice for free. And that's uh, hard to get from any attorney anywhere. But Bill does that here. And he will do it for you this morning as he does for us every Thursday. Uh, the, uh, the job, the unemployment rate at an all-time low, I think, it's uh, or close to one. People are having to get back to work. And these are likely in, I don't know what all areas uh, these jobs are in. Some of the areas where there are still major shortages are in the service industry, because there's no money being paid, and uh, in places, well, let's say Kroger has had a remarkable shortage of people for two years. That would include, you know, baggers and people that work overnight to stock the shelves and stuff like that. And they always seem short of people. And uh, so I was in there one day talking to somebody that is employed there and about, about the hours that she works, and she checks, and then she has to bag the stuff up. And uh, she said that they had a hiring freeze. That's been about a month ago. Hmm. Then I saw a piece yesterday about uh, Kroger over the past couple of years during COVID and during job loss and job exiting and all that stuff um, have let go a lot of people. Some of them on the executive level, some of them in middle management, but basically the ones that do the job that, that just keeps the stores up and functioning. There was a hiring. How can, how can there be a, a hiring freeze when there aren't enough people here now to get the damn job done? Well, that seems to have finally hit home to the powers that be oh. uh, up in their ivory tower. And they were emailing and calling people who had quit or they had oh. fired and asked them to come back for more money. That's the dire straits that they're in. Boy. So well. that makes you wonder about that. Um, and, I, it's, and you can't just you know pick on them. It's pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Although, I took a trip to Walmart this past weekend. Yeah, I don't usually go there. Uh, but I found the, the experience to be much more mellow, much more um, uh, competent. The shelves were stocked. The checkout was easy. It's a much more open space, less crowding, less okay. crowded aisles, not a bunch of crap everywhere, and the prices were lower too. Um, so it makes it um, a pretty easy decision when it comes to going shopping where you go. If going to one place is a is a hassle every time you do it. So on that note of hiring, because the kids just don't want to work. <laughs> Middle-aged, older people have got to work because they got bills to pay, and they've grown into that concept because you don't have any choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leading to this story, an Ohio pizza restaurant's hiring signs have been hanging outside on their little marquee board for a couple of months. Now they've gone viral. Now hiring non-stupid people. <laughs> well, read the two signs of Santino's Pizzeria in Columbus, Ohio. The manager tells the TV station that these signs were posted in good fun 
But after some real hiring headaches, the hiring and they, they have to train these people who then bail on the job. The no-shows and those that weren't serious about working. They had a high school kid who was hired to work there who thought it was okay to bring a Nerf gun in with another employee and they could play as they worked. Uh, the gal who owns the shop says, a lot of people we've hired just don't want to work. They have no work ethic behind them. That's the meaning behind the non-stupid. The goal is to find somebody who is reliable, on time, and don't show up to work in flip-flops. Oh, yuck. <laughs> yuck. Restaurant. Who the hell raised your... Uh, who who oh. raised these people to I have no, no work ethic? I, I just don't get it. I, I just... I find the whole thing amusing and have for a while. It's like, do you... People talk to, like you say, the baggers or the restaurant workers or the hospitality places and said, is, what, what you're doing isn't worth $15 an hour. If you were smart, you'd find a better job. The smart, hard workers think, okay, go and find a better job. Same people a little while later. Where are all the people who want to work for this amount of money right now? Mm-hmm. They've yeah. moved yeah. on to better jobs. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I know that um, just uh, for instance, uh, my good friend who uh, runs a, a landscaping service when he isn't being a, a firefighter has worked uh, over here with us for well over a, a decade and has built and been done and endless things in this yard. And he's a good friend. And I remember having a talk with him about what, what he was paying his people. He had two crews. Two trucks, and he was paying, depending upon their experience and their, um, the, if they could lead and speak English, because one guy per crew needs to do that. And that is not a, a bad rap on, on anyone. It's just a fact. Yeah. Uh, he was paying, and this is, let's say, five years ago, just to kind of grab at it. Okay. He, he was paying um, the guys that were kind of new or were, just on the job, 10, 12 bucks an hour. Some of the crew chiefs were getting about 15 bucks an hour. Uh, over the past couple of years, as uh, some of those guys wanted more money, and he really wasn't prepared to do that, as they were out here working, and he had seven guys um, in this yard trying to get all the messes cleaned up. I said, what are you paying these guys now? He said, oh, God, uh, 20 22 bucks an hour. Wow. wow. So either you All change right. with uh, what is expected and what is the norm, because the norm ain't the norm no more. It's different. No. Mm-hmm. So he has upped what he's paying them almost 10 bucks an hour per person because he wants to have good people. And that's just the way this is. You can't blame some of these kids for a bad attitude when they, but if you're a bagger at a grocery store, you know what the job is. And if you've yeah, been forced right. by your parents, you get a job now. You do it under duress and hate it from the get-go. Of course. And after two weeks, you bail. Or if you're uh, getting unemployment, you have to show the people that you're trying to get this you know, free check from that you have indeed applied for jobs. And if you take one, I guess the unemployment stops. Yes, that's how it works. So maybe if you go in and work for a month and go, 
I'm way too good for this. You get back on unemployment. Oh no, you can't quit a job and get unemployment. No. At least not in Tennessee. <laughs> no. If you if you report in that you quit, they stop giving you the check. If you don't show up though, and they, you know, fire you, or if you just wander away and don't ever come back, I don't know how that works. Then, I think then that's. You're- then you're still not getting the check. You have to have been removed from your job because of no reason that it was your fault. Hmm. Well, it's a mess either way. Not, I mean, now hiring non-stupid people says says it all. That is hilarious. Like restaurants that aren't sit down, take your order, here's your water, what can I get for you? You know, they're kind of in the middle. You're going to get, even back then, because I was in situations and I wasn't that age, but I was their boss, um, one of the bosses, and before radio. And you're going to get, you know, younger people who want a summer job or it's their first job or, and they might, they're not, they're younger. They're not going to be as serious in those types of, you know, restaurants or stores. It's not that they're bad people, but I get that sign. They just don't know any better. Yeah. Uh, we went to a restaurant down here, a Grisani's, over the weekend. The service couldn't have been any better. But that is a long-established uh, name oh, in this God. town. Excellent. And the service was, was just fantastic. Not overbearing, but competent and paying attention. And they, <laughs> they have a new thing on their, on their check, which more people, I would imagine, are going to um, utilize going forward. When they bring out the check and you give them your uh, credit card, the receipt that you sign, because people can't do the math in their head. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you're talking about. So if the bill is a hundred bucks, ten percent is ten dollars. Yes, that option is on there. Twenty percent is twenty dollars, and so forth. And so you just check the box in which you wish to, you know give them a tip and then you add it up it's that easy but people can't do that figuring in their head math no worky to some people <sighs> math move no the... worky not mathy don't move, get it move the decimal it's, point it's easier over. for you to get it together and tip people that do a good job i always over tip because these people need the money and that's why they're working and if they're good they should be tipped properly mm-hmm. so it's just that simple now hiring non-stupid people there's your <laughs> motto for the day Good luck. Lawyer Bill's coming up, 878-9420. As I mentioned, the artist Teddy Swims, who was a YouTube sensation, he had a million views on many of his, he had a few videos out there, really good, uh, and the videos to go along with them. So he had some funding behind him from the get-go, I guess. And then suddenly he's uh, he had a hit, kind of a hit, these days, it's hard to know what's a hit and what's not. Uh, but the song Broke uh, was a video, and he did a second version with a the, the a country artist, uh, Thomas Rhett, did a little extra verse, and it was really good. But what he has made his, his, his uh, mark with is doing cover versions of various songs. He did one by Bonnie Raitt, one by Shania Twain, and others that were just, this guy's voice is so versatile. And he's a good old boy from Georgia and a lot of tattoos and he's just country as hell. And then he opens his mouth and what comes out is 
stunning. He took this song, which is uh, pretty hard to sing, and this song caused a real uh, mess up, a blow up for our friends in Rock Sugar. The lead singer of that band, Jess Harnell, is a voice actor. He also has the gift of being able to do those voices when he sings, which is unusual. So when they, when we first began to play that song back in the day, um, Don't Stop Believing, mixed up with the Metallica song, uh, it was so dead on the money that Steve Perry sued them, thinking that they had used his voice on their record. They hadn't. Now, this version is new, and Teddy Swims recorded it for a new EP of, I think there's five new songs on there. So here is his version, which stays true to the original, of Don't Stop Believin'. Enjoy this. Lawyer Bill's coming up, 8789420. This is Drake Digital. Lawyer Bill Thursdays happen, oddly enough, on Thursday, 7.30ish. Bill Jones, the Jones Law Firm, joins us to discuss uh, area stories of uh, that have interesting legal asides and uh, tangents and uh, your uh, own woes, things you want to ask him on how to handle your life and your your families and wills and things like that. That's what he specializes in. Anything else that uh, is of a concerning nature, he can direct you to somebody who can help you. It's tax time, so tax attorneys are always uh, busy this time of year, I would suppose. And um, so good morning, sir. How are you? The Jones Law Firm is moving to a new location this week. We are. to discuss that. Sure, we can. Uh, first you're, off, you're going to be in a in a yurt on Poplar Avenue. Is that right? <laughs> no, I don't know about a yurt. Uh, we're 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 going to Clark Towers. So uh, it, we're moving the uh, the Joe Jones Law Firm up to the seventh floor <laughs> of uh, Clark Towers. Um, we're going to be in Suite Seven Hundred Eight. So it'll it'll be easy. You can just drive into the back. Uh, you can drive up to the very top of the parking garage, walk through the door, and bam, you're at my office. Wow. Will there be a big, shiny new sign that says Jones Law Firm on it? I don't think we've paid enough to get our logo at the top of Clark Tower, but I'll see Not what I top, can do. Like oh. Just on a door, for God's sake. Yes. Hello. Yeah, it's already there. It's already there on the door. Uh, they're finishing the flooring. I'm excited. They spelled it's Jones right. Okay, good. You know, it's only the second time I've ever moved, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, they got well, Joe right. They spelled it J-O-E. Joe Jones, like, yeah. Like my yeah. mama named me. Yeah, very good. Um, um, well, so you're in, so would you, you'll be officially in there, and but you're still doing business now, though, right? Oh, we are. It's just we've got, um, we're threadbare. We have no pictures on the walls, boxes in the halls. It's, um, it's mass hysteria. Cats and dogs living together. We're just trying yeah. to get ready. Um, to make the, the, the move quick and clean. They and say it is, that it doesn't matter whether it's uh, two blocks or two miles. Moving is a gigantic pain in the behind. It, it is horrible. This is yeah. the second time I've done it in 20 years of practice, and I will, I will try to make this one of the last times I move. Okay. Let us move along to various issues. This one, let's just do a kind of a setup for this story uh, in the past week there have been two stories around this area one about the fact that uh, last school year 40,000 kids were officially truants they were 
they were involved in a truancy case. It takes five times a missing school to be accused of or charged with whatever that that means. Truancy, forty thousand. Now, back when Amy Weirich was the DA and AC Horton was the mayor, I recall discussions with them on more than one occasion about they were trying to address the situation, which seems it it is broken and impossible to fix. At the time, uh, they told me that there they had people on a staff assigned to go to the people's houses and talk to the parents and say, why isn't your kid in school? The news story that I saw about this on Channel 5 or Channel 3, the ending of the story, I guess they asked them, do you have a task force or whatever in place to deal with this? The answer was, we have nobody, no task force, there's no one doing anything about it. Do you know the history of any of that? Not the history of it, but I can tell you that, so Scott, my, my brother who, who I practice with, he, uh, he works in juvenile court in Tipton County. Um, he, he picks up appointment cases out there, and that's, that's his life. Uh, really? He deals with parents who are, have been charged um, with allowing their kids to be truant. And, and I will tell you, COVID has made it a bigger problem than it ever was because you had this year-long period Right. where these kids were telecommuting, where they were, were logging in and going to school that way. Maybe. The parent, yeah, and, and it, it really was a joke. I mean, um, it, the kids just didn't – it was not the same experience. It allowed the parents to have a little more freedom and leeway. Uh, and the and kids. We, yeah, and we didn't have latch, you know, latch, latch key kids. We had computer kids who were right. left at home. Um, and could just double screen whatever they wanted to. Well, that's if they had a screen in their home in the first place. That's right. Some poor folks don't have their own laptop and stuff. Exactly. And so it, it gave parents these built-in excuses to where they could justify the reasons uh, for leaving their kids out. And then when we returned, it was, hey, I don't want to return. Well, you've got you've got several groups who just got used to that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it has just become an epidemic where um, the juvenile court judge in Tipton County, he, he's telling folks, look, you, I want the kid in, in school, and if not, I'm, I'm going to send you away. Um, okay, so if, they, if Scott takes a case on, what has the parent been charged with, and how do they, how do they track down? Now, Tate County is a smaller area than Shelby County, but how do they find the parents, find the homes, and what do they charge them with, and what happens after that? If these parents have this attitude of non-caring anyway, do they bother to even show up to court or to acknowledge that they've been charged with this truancy issue? Oh, sure. Look, if you could if you could just disregard court and not show up, that's what everybody do. So Yeah, I would. Um, you know, if, if, if you've got a kid signed up for school, then the, the school system should have records of them. Right. After that, it's just a, a matter of going to the home and finding out why they're not there. They're served with paperwork by a sheriff saying that the kid's truant. And then the kid can be looking at something. The parent can be looking at something. Um, unfortunately, most of the parents, you and I and Sid and Wes, we all grew up in a different era. I know I'm starting to sound like a grandpa when I talk like this, but 
Well, we that's did. just the truth. That's the way it is. We yeah. we grew up in an era where the our parents generally sided with our teachers. So if mm-hmm. our teachers said we weren't oh, doing yeah. something right, our parents would take us home and, and doubly ground us or get us in more trouble or spank us for whatever the teacher was upset with. It's not mm-hmm. that way anymore. Mm-hmm. It's now my, my kids are precious and never right, and it must be the school that's wrong. So you, Or the apathy involved in parenting of a bunch of kids that you didn't really plan for, and you got to these people who are you know, 20 years old and have five kids. Yeah, All of these things come into play. Uh, but in Tate County, that's one thing. So we know that, uh, that Scott is handling those cases and that there is a judge who is serious about it. Transfer that mindset to Shelby County. What happens there? Well, it's similar, but um, as... 40,000. How do you address 40,000 people? I want you to, first off, I want you to keep your statement about the apathy of, of parents in mind because... I, I know we've got several topics, at least two more that we're going to talk about today, where I think that's going to be a root a root issue. But yeah. in Shelby County, um, you, you've got some bigger fish to fry. So it's a problem, and it's being handled. But the population, the number of cases that we've got here, and the severity of cases outside of um, outside of just truancy, are, are kind of what's on that court's front of mind consciousness right now because there, okay. there are bigger issues all right well then let's transfer to 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 that um but just knowing that forty thousand kids are not going to school and that there there's nobody enforcing any laws their 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 parents don't enforce any ethic in them about if you got to go to school they don't well, care it, and it builds right so when if that's how you parent this generation when they become oh, parents yeah. And are parenting the next generation, they're, they're going to do likewise and worse. Okay, the next two steps or the next one step before the big story is uh, the since the beginning of this year, uh, 2,200 cars have been stolen. Uh, these, uh, these people operate in rings, and they are, for the most part, 15, 16-year-old children. The story that catches your attention, if you're paying any, and some people are and some aren't, Records show that one 11-year-old kid has been arrested nine times in over two months for charges, among them carjacking, theft, burglary, and robbery, just to name a few. There are weapons uh, charges in there as well. The police chief, Miss Davis, who is under increasing pressure to get a grip on this, and I, it's, it's hard to blame her for assuming the mess that she assumed. The MPD must work with, she says, uh, the juvenile court here to tackle juvenile crime. Well, no kidding. Seven in ten of these kids caught with car theft are repeat offenders. This kid that is 11 years old has been locked up six times for this. Records obtained from the MPD show he's been arrested nine times and has 19 charges so far. These began in December of last year. Arson, carjacking, weapons law violations. December 14th, carjacking, weapons. So the kid's carrying a a piece on him. December 20th, robbery of a person. Same thing, 1226, Merry Christmas. January 5, car theft, car theft, vandalism. Burglary, property theft. 
11 years old. There, she's asking the, uh, the uh, police chief that juvenile courts give the real-time crime center access to ankle monitors, which they don't have. They don't know if this kid was wearing a monitor or not. This is the one that just kind of makes you do a heavy sigh and think, wow, this is broken beyond repair. Well, I, I, How do you handle this kid? So I, I think juvenile, I think the police department is using uh, this as, a, as an example of why they, need, why they need to work better with juvenile court. The, um, you know, there's a strained relationship there, and there, there has been between all of our court systems. Um, the, the last election cycle with our judiciary was brutal. Um, we, we cleared out so many old judges and folks, um, whether we're talking about juvenile court, the DA's office, or the circuit or chancery court, we had mm-hmm. so much turnover, you, you just lost a lot of legacy. Uh, right. You lost a lot of folks that had been there and knew what they're doing. And the systems already weren't playing well together, um, so that that's an issue that needs to be fixed. But when when you've got eleven year old, I go back to what we originally talked about, and that's the apathy of the parents. When you've got an eleven year old with this many arrests in this short of a time frame, I I'm looking at this going, how the hell did More this kid get out of his mm-hmm. bedroom? Yeah. After the first time, mm-hmm. after the first time, he should be having difficulty sitting down because uh, his butt's on fire and and he should not be leaving the house for any reason. This I is mean, nine I, charges from December 2nd last year until uh, February 10th of this year. Yeah. So he he either doesn't have anywhere to live or he's stuck with his you know grandma or his auntie and nobody cares about what he's doing obviously and he keeps on so at his age when he is taken down to 201 what happens because he's back on the street immediately what are the laws and rules about that that uh, Mulroy has put in place well, or are they in place well so it's not Mulroy so this is over uh, you know Mulroy works with um, with juvenile court juvenile court has their own their own setup over there. Um, so he wouldn't be taken to 201 Poplar at that age. He would be taken to juvenile court. Okay. Juvenile court actually has a, a facility that's attached to it where they they house the juvenile offenders. Uh, they get somebody, Mountain Dew and Cheetos to, to hang out with. You know, it, it It's not really like that. I mean, it's, it, it's not a happy, fun place to go to. Um, mm. And it... It's just bad. It's just bad down there, um, and there's no good solution right now. But you can't. So they give just up get on... kicked loose. Yeah. So I mean, it's hey, this kid did something. All right, here's mom and dad showing up. We we don't want to hold an 11 year old in a in a cell for three months um, with mm. 17 and 16 year olds who are are violent, um, because we just don't think of an 11 year old like that. So, but he's carrying a gun and robbing he's, people. He's carrying a gun. He's robbing people, and and he's just being turned out back to his parents, and and it's happening again and again and again. Why can't they keep him somewhere and not release him? Well, Are there that's, laws about that? What MPD is saying is, hey, we need to we need to start putting ankle bracelets on these kids. Well, I I, I get that. 
I get that. That's this is an extreme case. The the naysayers or the skeptics among us um, are saying, all right, if we start putting ankle bracelets on a 11 and 12 year old kid, where we can we can monitor them, aren't we already saying we've given we're up screwed. on you? All he has to do is steal a bolt cutter, and he's free. And that's his next move, I would guess. So this sounds like one more thing that is broken and unfixable. Not to be uh, dark about it, but what else can well, you say? It's it's unfixable because we're tr we're asking, we are asking the government to fix to do something a, a home issue. We are asking the government to fix a home issue. Yep, and um, it's been that way in this town for thirty years. I don't know how many interviews I've done with, as I mentioned before, with you know mayors. Our police chiefs, our DAs, and the problem has been in place for a long time. All it does is get worse. Eleven, he should be in what third grade, fourth grade, something like that. Yeah, uh, he's busy getting his you know guns cleaned and honing up his skills of being a thief. Uh, let me just hop over here before we break to the insert link on the story from Channel Five that says teen charged with murder of Memphis pastor. Out on bond. Why is he out on bond? They must have thought that he he wasn't a flight risk, that he would return, um, that he wasn't likely to repeat the crime. He maybe didn't have a, a, a record in the past. Again, it's it's part of this new this new bond system that that folks have set up. Um, so the it's just hard to to see any light at the end of the tunnel. And there's no solution, and nobody has any answers. And is this complete dysfunction at the MPD from the top down? And has it been in place for God knows how many years? There are no answers. And this stuff continues to happen over and over and over again. And I don't know. I, I, I It keeps people that are in that area of the law busy, I'm sure, and judges and and defenders and so on. But th it's just out of control. I, it's... um. An unsettling thing to watch, and nobody has any answer for it. Ankle bracelets, okay, and they don't have any of those now, and never have had. Strange. You know, they're just not sharing the. If I think that they have several, uh, some that that are in use. What they're saying is MPD. So if if I'm an adult and I have an ankle bracelet and I break my barrier, I, I go somewhere where I'm not to. MPD is immediately alerted and they can come out and pick me up. Yeah. Okay. It's a caseworker in juvenile court that gets alerted to that if they're assigned one. And this this kind of makes you wonder with all of these things going on from Tyree Nichols to um, the shootings in uh, Whitehaven, eleven shot, one kid, five critical over the past weekend. Uh, this continues to go on uh, with an election coming up for the uh, mayorship and the council. You have to wonder how much time that C.J. Davis, as the police chief, has left. Because uh, since she got here, you can't put all the blame on her. But this is such a mess from top to bottom. That's why many people have made the observation that uh, Floyd Bonner, the county sheriff for two terms, uh, might be an interesting candidate because the guy comes from years of working with, with the police. Uh, but somebody better have an answer here. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be one uh, around the corner anytime soon. It's just 
chaos. Well, it's the the answer. The answer starts at home. Look, the analogy I always always use when I talk about this. I've I've got a friend that's a pastor, and he always says, "Look, your your kids aren't gonna are gonna come to Christ just by coming to church one Sunday every year. If you think that we're gonna fix them just by bringing them to to church on Sunday, that's not what we're here for. That's your job as a parent." for them to mirror what they see in your life. Well, it's the same thing with the system. Don't expect a court system that get involved with these kids once or twice and just when they get in trouble to fix them. That's your job at home as a parent to instill good moral, good values in it and say, hey, let's save and buy a car instead of stealing a gun and jacking Karen downtown. Let, Which is to assume that, that, that the that parents are going to change and suddenly become good parents and good and good teachers. It's not in the cards. They they don't care now. Um, you know, 40,000 is a striking, stunning figure of truancy cases. A lot of problems, a lot of problems, man, but um, I don't know. It's it's a strange time. Uh, 878-9420, your texts and questions and observations for our friend, lawyer Bill, Bill Jones, Jones Law Firm. More of those in a moment after we go back to the good old days of ZZ Top, Rio Grande Mud. Here it is. This is Drake Digital. Find us on the Drake Memphis app and listen to our shows and podcasts on Spotify, TuneIn, or anywhere you search for podcasts. DrakeHallMemphis.com. There you go. Lawyer Bill is here on it's a Thursday with, well, with Lawyer Bill. We just ran down, uh, and just this, the, the frustration just drips off of all of this. Talking about it is becoming, I don't know, it's not a, a moot point. It's just when there are problems of any size, you seek a solution. And the problem of youth crime and truancy and car theft is so out of control that there's no readily, there's just no answer to this. And that's what is concerning. There's I, This just popped into my head, too. I had uh, the news on last night, and we discussed this a couple of months ago about the impound lot. Have you seen the aerial view of the impound lot and the cars that are stacked up there? And they're uh, non-functional, uh, and they can't figure any of this out? And yes. I can't imagine that somebody isn't hiring an attorney to get their car back, for God's sake. It's really nuts how this city is just can't operate. How do you handle that if your car is there and you can't get it back? Yeah, so it it's I mean it's affecting more than that. I've I've got a um, an acquaintance, uh, one of my best friends from high school, is an auctioneer at the impound lot, mm. and um, they're they're having trouble just getting vehicles. Uh, lined up and ready to auction because there's just so many there. Um, so what is the ratio, do you think, of people who have just abandoned them and said, you know, screw this, and those that want their car back? There well, are I mean, thousands of cars out there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends. It truly depends on if, if they're just breaking the window and, and doing the steering column on, on some of these. Um, if insurance is totaling it, Folks aren't going to go back there and get them, and that's what you're seeing. Is right. insurance has gotten to a point. Look, I I had a scratch on my hood from uh, some trash fell off of somebody's car, and uh, it scratched my hood, and I, I 
took it to the body shop, they wanted to total it out for literally Jeez. a scratch. Yeah, um, I and, have and so, on mine. Yeah. yeah, so that's what you're seeing is folks, folks, their cars getting totaled out, and they're like, ah, I'm not going to go down there and, and mess with this. I'll just take a check from the insurance company. So the auctioneer um, steps in when, and how do they do that? Well, the auctioneer steps in once the vehicle's been surrendered or once it's set on the impound lot uh, and been surrendered, the auctioneer comes in and auctions them off. But if you've seen those area views, well, you have to have it where the buyers of these vehicles can come and pick up these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes it it makes it difficult. Now, I hadn't but spoken once you're with there, him. They can't even find the damn cars half the time. That's right. Uh, I, now, I haven't spoken with him in probably a month and a half since all this started. Um, but, you know, it, 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 I know it put a cramp in, in what he could do for a while mm-hmm. i think they've they found a workaround but it's still just you're again seeing a problem from crime it, it the roots mm-hmm. of it are crime and and i'm sure that people are going to try and blame the police but um you know the answer that the police came up with was to set up these task force to try and be out and 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 looking and people seeing me well right the task force ended up going a little overboard with the jump out boys and now now you're looking at the council is looking at um doing away with all all joint task forces yep yep Um, and they were in place i guess before uh cj got here except for the scorpion bunch and we know how world famous they are now so um it's uh, okay uh let's get one of these texts in here go ahead sid all right, this one says, is it illegal for a financial institution who typically is known for car loans to call a cell phone that doesn't belong to an individual? The phone is owned by a Tennessee business. The financial institution was looking for a family member who lives in another state. It's one thing that they called me and his ex-wife on our personal cell phones, but called a, another family member on a work cell phone that doesn't belong to him. How do these companies have access to this information? Hmm. So how they get it, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not really sure. You, you always sign up for these things, um, skip traces, reverse people searches, where you can search for any acquaintances or, or um, you know, we, we have to do that sometimes when we're looking for folks um, and you'll get acquaintances, numbers, and things like that. Now, that is an unfair collection practice. Uh, there is a do not call registry in Tennessee and Mississippi that you can you can put your number down and sign up for. But the the problem with those is you've done by emailing the show this morning, by emailing Drake and, and asking me this morning. Or texting, yeah. Yeah. You've done more than the average consumer does. Most people just hit block. They're done with that number. I understand if it's a work company, you may not be able to block block a number, but most people just never follow up on it. There are laws in place that says you can go and recover from some of these folks for these for these violations, but generally it's the person that that owes money uh, that can get the relief that can sue these folks for trying to um, for un, unfair collection practices. Most people, so how do they proceed with that? Well, most people don't. That's that's the thing is if you come into my office, the cost benefit analysis is, does not work in your favor. Right. So if you go, hey, I want to, I want to file a lawsuit against these folks. Well, I may tell you, all right, you know, by the time it's over and done, you're going to pay two, three thousand dollars, and we may be able to get you five, six hundred dollars. 
So, so don't I mean, answer your phone as the as the solution or, here. Or block it. I, I use an app on my phone that um, that tells me this is a spam risk. This is definitely spam. Don't answer this one. Yeah, I have one um, I use those apps and, and just file 13 stuff when, uh, when I don't want to answer it. Just ignore them. All right, Sid, I uh, got one more there. Go ahead. All right. Uh, this one says, I married in 2006 as a single dad. My wife had a 10-year-old daughter. And fast forward several years, the daughter ran off the rails, quit school at 16, ran off uh, with, a, with a guy who was, you know, not good, um, wanted nothing to do with us when, and had a kid with the guy. When the kid was five, both of the parents were on drugs and incarcerated for three years on charges. The mom wants nothing to do with the kid. The dad wants to see the kid. Now the kid is 11. And the dad is wanting to see him all the time. The grandparents, the texter, has full custody of this child, who is now 11. But the dad wants to see him every other weekend. He suddenly, now the kid has become rebellious, started doing poorly in school. I'm firmly convinced that this father is the root of the problem. He keeps gaslighting him to believe he can go live with him. I'm ready to throw up my hands and let him go there. But what steps can be taken legally to make sure this guy doesn't adopt his own kid? Now, again, this grandparent who's texting has full custody of this kid. The father Bless your is heart. Convi- but, you know, stop know. having kids. You know, the father I, this is, is too complicated. Convicted felon with several drug charges, felony gun possession okay. charges. Is there Got any it. possible way within the rule of law custody can be granted? Good yeah. luck with that, Bill. Well, look, it, it's it's an issue that, that does come up, maybe not this severe. Um, I have no but, idea what you just said. So well, okay. so so what happened in this situation was, uh, grand grandma and grandpa had had a kid. Uh, the kid went nuts, married some mm-hmm. ne'er do well, mm-hmm. uh, and grandma and grandpa are now raising the grandkid. Okay, so the, but yes. the grand they've got full custody of their grandkid, and the grandkid is now eleven, and um, like most boys. When he hit, we sit, when he's hitting that 11, 12, he wants to hang out with his dad. He wants to be around his dad, wants to see his dad. His dad can do he's, no wrong. He's a, um, he's a screw-up, too. Yeah, but dad's a screw-up. And dad is feeding this kid, who doesn't know any better. Dad is telling this kid, hey, you can come live with me. Uh, I'll, I'll try and get custody of you back. I'll try and do X, Y, Z. Grandpa is worried, saying... Um, is this something I need to really be worried about? Could dad actually get custody back? Well, if if dad has cleaned his life up, um, I don't know that he's going to get custody back. First off, it depends upon how you got custody. If they terminated um, mom and dad's parental rights and allowed you to adopt, then no, dad dad's not going to get the kid. There's no chance of that happening. So if they terminated their parental rights, that's not happening. If they adjudged the kids dependent and neglect, saying that these kids needed protection from their parents and removed them and just placed them in your custody, then those parental ties have not been severed. So this dad is still the, the father. And if dad can show that he's rehabilitated himself, he's taken steps, he's got a job, he has seen the light and he is walking the straight and narrow path, then dad may have a chance to be reunified with his child. I don't know that he'll ever get full custody back, but he'll certainly have a chance to be reunified and have some time. Now, if, if what you're saying is, hey, I, I, 
I just, I, I don't want to let this kid see dad anymore because I think that's what it is. That's a solution. Uh, I don't know if it's the right one because I don't know your kid. I don't know your, mm -hmm. your situation. What I would tell you, you need immediately, if not sooner, is a good child psychologist. You, you need to get this child into some counseling and let this child talk through some things because you're, you are the authority figure. You're the parent in this child's life. And if you're telling this kid, Hey, um, your dad's no good. You shouldn't be around him. Well, that's going to be, a, that's going to do as much good as my parents telling me that smoking wasn't good for me when I was 16. I didn't care. It looked cool. It's what I wanted to do. So if, if you're telling this kid, hey, your dad's a piece of crap, you don't need to be around him, this kid's not going to believe that. You need third-party credibility from mm -hmm. a counselor, uh, somebody to go in and, and either help this reunification or explain to this kid why it's never going to happen. Because coming okay. from you, they're not going to buy it. Well, that was a well-done answer oh, to yeah. a really complex question. So uh, nice going. That's why you're a good attorney, I guess. But what a freaking mess. All right, uh, do one more text, and I'm going to come back and do one last news story that I've, uh, that I've found to be pretty incredible. We'll see what Bill's take on that is after we do a text from 878-9420. Go ahead. Vicki said, this is something that happened to me a while back, I'm not, uh, so I'm only asking in case it should happen again. My phone rang. It showed it was my husband calling. Instead, it was some strange man looking for one of my adult children. I refused to give him any information and asked him why my phone showed it was my husband calling. He quickly said to have my son contact some company I don't remember now and that my son already had the number. He then hung up. We weren't sure what to do about it. We were about to upgrade our phones anyway, so we did that and changed our security and added a scam block, spam block. Just wondering if it were to happen again, is there anything else we could do? By the way, my son didn't know who this person was either. Yeah, so I, I, so mm -hmm. it sounds like you've done everything that I would tell you to do, um, even more so. I mean, switching providers is more so than what I would tell you to do. But um, the, the only thing that's weird about your, your story is when he called, it showed up as your husband's number. Mm -hmm. That's odd. Mm -hmm. That means that it's some type of spoofing uh, or where they're, they're replicating that number. Um, For what purpose? Uh, you know, I, there's a million scams out there. Who knows which one it was? Uh, who knows which one it was? But if you're, if you're getting a call from a debt collector and it shows up as your husband's number, that's not legit. So, um, I've noticed a, um, a real slowdown in email, uh, you know, scams and spam and the phone still provides a few a week, but the email ones have stopped. I wonder if anybody is trying to enforce these laws or if they just finally give up on certain numbers and get a new collection of phone numbers to work with and email addresses. Well, I think the, the Prince of Nigeria finally uh, escaped and he, that's why he's <laughs> just not sending emails anymore. <laughs> <laughs> misspellings all right uh, back in a moment with uh, one last bit with our friend lawyer bill eight seven eight nine four two zero first here are the killers and phoebe bridges this is drake digital drake digital with drake west and sid in the morning and the afternoon here are all the shows at drakehallmemphis.com you don't want to miss them because man if they're like this morning uplifting it really it really restores your faith in mankind I would say fun for the whole family. 
I think uh, that's without question uh, the right answer. And uh, if you want to teach your kids, well, I, I don't know. I I just have to have to hope and pray to God that, that, that the majority of people that have children are not like the ones in the news. But then again, when there are 40,000 kids involved in, in truancy, how many bad parents does that add up to? Uh, these, you know, one, one, one parent families and no father and no nothing, no teaching, no, no churching, no basic foundational sense about life. And at 11 years old, you got nine raps against you already. I, it's insane. Okay, here's one that is, I've never heard of this before, but this was one that likely is, um, uh, it, it happens. Judges uh, ruling, uh, says the headline, the sperm donor, not the lesbian mother, has parental rights. This is in Oklahoma. It's in front of the Supreme Court there. Chris Williams is the lady who is speaking here. Uh, she's in shock, she says, after a judge awarded the parental rights of a young boy, not to her, the mother who is raising him, but to the man who supplied the baby juice to make the kid. Uh, Miss Williams married her... Um, let her her a lover Rebecca in June 2019, when she was six months pregnant with her son. Nine months prior, she uh, both of them found a guy named Harlan on a paternity website. He signed the agreement to make the baby, and it made no mention of Miss Williams at the time, although she was carrying the child. Uh, the pregnancy. Uh, ensued, and both Williams and Wilson, those are the two ladies involved, were listed as the mother on the boy's uh, birth thing in 2019. The marriage collapsed. The two ladies broke up two years later, accusing of domestic abuse and other harassment type things. And along with the child, they moved in with Mr. Vaughn. This is so confusing. Uh in 2021 of uh, in uh, November. Two months later, he filed for paternity, and in her ruling, the judge noted that absent adoption of having or, or uh, having carrying the child, that the lady could not establish a mother-child um, thing under current Oklahoma law. So she denied this lady who is raising the kid the, fa the, the ability to be her mother. Um, married couples who have children in wedlock, whatever their sexuality, are legally presumed to be the parents. But in this one, it precedes the act of... Blah, blah, blah. Uh, under Oklahoma law, she needed to adopt the minor child to establish parental rights. Uh, in summary, they called the guy that made the baby or provided the, uh, uh, the, um, the stuff that makes babies work. They gave him the rights to parent the child so, and come okay. away from the two ladies. All right. So let me, let me kind of help summarize here. The, the law in most States. Okay. What it says is the, um, the husband of the mother is the father of the child. So if you're married to the mother, you're deemed to be the father of the child. Um, then, then in most States, if, in most States, then if you're not married, a paternity test is used to determine who is the father of the child. So I'm going to speak biologically for a second, okay? Mm -hmm. Biologically, 
there's no way under God's green earth that this woman is the mother of the child. And the laws were written at such a time that we were relying upon science and biology. Uh, Even though she gave birth to it, she ate the mother? No, it's not. She's not the one that that uh, is has lost it. It's the it's her her partner mm-hmm. um, that has lost rights. Uh, the The actual birth of the mother, no one can question that she's the mom. It it came out of her, mm-hmm. um, so we know that's the mother. There is some question as to who the father is, and that's why we have paternity tests. What these people are saying is that they signed an agreement to allow father or this man to be the donor, thinking that they then would both be the mothers of this child. Well, biologically, that's impossible. And the law was not written in such a way to allow that. Um, so what should have happened is this, this mother who did not give birth to the child should have adopted the child to, to be this child's mother. How often um, does this happen, this kind of case? More, more often than than not and and what it is is again it's we're playing semantic games with with language these days i mean if if you and i agree that that we don't like gravity and gravity shouldn't exist and we do a law that says gravity doesn't exist doesn't matter gravity still exists well you've got folks making laws and it doesn't matter the law that is on the books and written was written at such a time based upon biology where there has to be a father of a child a child can't have two mothers so we know that that's not true in in our society we know that uh, you have same-sex couples raising children uh, all the time and adopting them what they're saying in this case is that this same-sex couple under oklahoma law the non-biological mother should have adopted the child and until that happens right the dad is the actual dad. But if she files adoption papers and they, that goes well, then this issue is over. It, it should be, but I, it. I, but I think... Why would a guy see- who, do, who just gave the sperm in some random thing be allowed to be the parent of this child? It, it has to do with the law. It has to do with them not acknowledging... Not emotion, not love, not any kind of uh, that's close-knit right. thing. It doesn't matter. It's about words. It's about words, and the the law was based upon science and biology. Now, Fantastic. I'm sure that it will be amended over time, um, and and this may be the you know what makes that happen. Um, okay, well that that one uh, is a nice way to wrap this up. Very interesting, Aaron. Uh, just frustrating as usual. There you go. Um, good luck with your move to Clark Tower. And we look forward to the weekly podcasting uh, with Lawyer Bill and his brother Scott and whomever their guest may be, judges, other attorneys. Bill thinks uh, he wants to interview me for this show since I have a deep background in law and being a lawyer in my previous life. So all of these things are coming down the pike. Beginning uh, March, we'll be having uh, podcasting of various kinds. One of the highlights will be Lawyer Bill and whatever he chooses to do. We are actually dedicating one office. We're, we're turning it into a podcast room. Um, where you we'll, should rent it out to other people then. There's your move. 
I, I could do that. But what we're, you know, we're going to find interesting folks from around town and we're going to talk to them and put a legal spin on it. It, it really should be fun. Uh, I mean, very good. It, it should uh, thank be fun you, to do. as always, for doing this uh, for us and with us. And we appreciate you. How do we contact you? Or is it a bad time to call because you're trying to move? No, it's never a bad time to call because mama needs to eat. Uh, but you. You, you can get us. Uh, <laughs> You can get us at 761-5353 or online at LawyerBuild.com. As you decorate your new offices in Clark Tower, for God's sake, do not, you know, just uh, just paper the walls with pictures of Ole Miss stuff. That will be off-putting to anybody who walks in there. So you know don't what? start that nonsense. Well, I'm trying to decide. I've got a dollar bill signed by this guy, Drake Hall, and I'm trying yeah, to figure right. out if I'm going to hang that on the wall or if I'm just going to spend it in a Coke machine. I don't know. Uh, can you buy Coke out of a machine now for a dollar? That's pretty good. <laughs> Coca-Cola. Uh, oh, I see. I, I, okay. Um, I think that should be on the in the most prominent place uh, in on display in your office. Okay. If you want to impress somebody, do that, or they'll see it and leave immediately. But this is your call. But uh, go ahead and I'll, decorate I'll put it, it in a wish. place of prominence. I'll put it All in right, a place my friend. of prominence. Thank you, Bill. We'll talk soon, and uh, we'll be back with you next week. And People can text us anytime for Lawyer Bill's appearance here, 878-9420. Have a good day, sir. Good luck with the move. Here are the Eurythmics. This is Drake Digital. Drake Digital with Drake West and Sid in the morning and the afternoon. Hear all the shows at drakehallmemphis.com. In a minute, we're going to play you a couple of tunes from an artist that is hard to categorize, hard to define. But she is very versatile and I think one of the smartest people in the business as far as her writing, as her performing. There are documentaries about her. She has um, had hits over the years. She doesn't overstay her welcome. She comes out, does an album, does a tour, and then uh, she's a mom and uh, a normal type uh, person. But she's very, uh, I admire her tremendously for how she handles her life and her career. The documentary on her yeah, it was, I was on Amazon Prime, maybe, um, but it showed her on tour. This is probably five, six years ago when her kids were little and she was with them uh, all the time uh, before the show, after the show, on the road. And she has done a new album that, I, that, that Wes said he had listened to two times. And I thought, hmm, okay, then it must not be unbearable. <laughs> so I pulled it up yesterday morning and sat here with expectations, and they were exceeded, to say the least. We're going to play you a few of these in just a moment and talk more about that. First, some other entertainment-type news. The Eagles are the equivalent. They're like Kiss, and they just won't go away. <laughs> How can we miss you if you won't go away? Uh, but it's the same old story. These guys are in their early to mid-70s. They've been doing this since 1970-71 with uh, Take It Easy, Witchy Woman were the first hits, Peaceful Easy Feeling, then Desperado, then On the Border, then it, uh, then One of These Nights, and they've been around. They've sold uh, so many albums. They, they rank in the, I guess, maybe the top one or two uh, all-time best-selling records as the Eagles' Best Of uh, Volume 1. And they keep touring. Uh, they have lost Glenn Fry, one of the main founders. They brought in Timothy B. Schmidt from Poco to replace Randy Meisner with the high voice. 
when Glenn died, they, uh, they brought in his son, uh, uh, Deacon, to not take his place. I think it was kind of a move about family and about Don Henley wanting to give uh, the son a chance to be a part of that legacy. I think that it turned out that the kid didn't have uh, the talent to pull it off long term, but they gave it a shot for one tour. How prominent he was in the show, I'm not sure, but I don't think it was very much. Uh, the key move was to bring in Vince Gill, who is a great songwriter and has a voice and a range, uh, not unlike Timothy B. Schmidt, and he filled in the holes perfectly. And they have a guy that is off to the right of the stage, which would be stage left, um, who plays a number of instruments and keyboards and has sustained that sound. And I am guessing that they still sound great. But how many times can you tour the world? And I, I'll, I'll never forget, uh, the, uh, 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 Timothy B. Schmidt was on a radio uh, interview. And uh, the host asked him a really pertinent question that I, have, that I would ask anybody in this category of bands that continue to tour. And uh, it's their job. It's all they know how to do. You're not going to, I mean, if, I mean if, if you're Don Henley, you're not going to stay home and get into to doing pottery and basket weaving <laughs> or having a garden. You're going to want to get back on the road. They're also one of the bands that hasn't recorded anything new in a long, long time because they don't have to and because one of the main writers is gone. Now, Don Henley has done some masterful work by himself. I think you just heard heard one of his songs. His uh, solo albums have always been just great, too. He's a great, great songwriter. But he and Fry wrote the tunes, and once your partner is gone, and the band chemistry is different. It's they they just don't do anything new. Uh, so they're back on the road again. Now the headline to Sid's piece here says there were some surprises when they went out. What is the deal behind the Eagles' new appearance on the road? Well, they're doing they're playing Hotel California in its entirety on this tour. So it's the Hotel California tour, and the first show was Sunday in Portland, Oregon. And so this is kind of <laughs> so this is kind of a concert review. From this person, but uh, a, a wise-looking guy traipsed across the stage apparently with that under his arm, and he put the record on the player and lowered the needle, and they started playing. Oh, that's cool. Ha, ha, ha. So that was cool. Uh, and it's yes, of course, Don Henley, Timothy B. Schmidt, Joe Walsh, and Vince Gill, like you said. Uh, but then, uh, and they pulled members of the Oregon Symphony and. A choir from the University of Portland to nice. you know chime in on wasted time and pretty maids all in a row and last resort, and they then introduced Deacon Fry at some point, brought him on stage, okay. and yes, he had announced. So he has his, a limited role, okay. Apparently, so he had announced his you know departure from the band because he wanted to forge his own path or something. But there he was, uh, leading um, or lending um, to already gone and take it easy among others, and then Joe Walsh uh, did uh, did Life's Been Good Life's been and Rocky good. Mountain yeah. Way, and so thing. that was cool, this, this thing says, and then, uh, of course, some scantily clad woman went out and turned the record over when it was time to turn it over, <laughs> but, uh, but, but basically, this concert review is kind of long, but he was very impressed with their performance still. 
It so, sounds like that um, in the interest of, of uh, entertaining themselves and to broaden the experience, mm -hmm. adding the, the, the uh, orchestra and the choir is a really smart move. That's what people like uh, Springsteen have done. Uh, he's on the road with a 19-piece outfit with singers and horns and all that stuff and strings. So that's how these bands enhance themselves and entertain themselves and keep the audience interested as well. I I missed my entire point because I spaced off. Timothy uh, was on the sh on some show, and the guy asked him, "How do you keep going out there every night playing Life in the Fast Lane, and Hotel California, and all these songs? Aren't you tired of it?" And he said, "The minute you walk out there, and hear the crowd reaction, and you go into the songs, the soundtrack of their life." And I stand there and play bass and watch the faces of those people as they react to these songs. That's why we can still do it. Because it is so gratifying to watch them every night. They love the music. And so who are we to deny them that? That sounds like Gene Simmons talking. But um, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. but it's a good point, though. Yeah. You know, and yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, the same it's the same thing with the Stones. I mean, they're playing their, their uh, greatest hits. How many times can you hear Brown Sugar? How many times can they play it? Well, obviously, as many as they want to. Um, Springsteen, I've watched um, his set list, and he's pretty much playing the hits uh, for three hours. So the Eagles are finding new ways to, uh, to um, rejuvenate their interest and the audiences as well. So good yeah, for them. Yeah. yeah, and interestingly, also it says when he was when Don Henley was introducing the members of the Oregon Symphony, the guy leading those players was Jim Ed Norman, an arranger and producer who had worked on most of the band's studio albums. So there's another right. kind of neat connection. Yeah. So uh, Tony Hawk is involved with a Kurt Cobain skateboard. This is pretty cool too. Tony yeah, Hawk I, is a legendary skateboard guy. I don't know much about him, but my kids did, so I knew who he was from them. Mm -hmm. I don't uh, skateboard myself much anymore. Oh, man, you should try it. It's fun. Yeah, anyway, yeah, like I do. Uh, <laughs> I might go down, like, sitting down on it or down a hill that's not very steep. I guess uh, Kurt Cobain had a skateboard that he painted in 1985. Well, he painted the skate deck in 1985 with some Iron Maiden artwork. Uh I, maybe he liked Iron Maiden. I don't really, doesn't really explain, but Kurt Cob uh, Tony Hawk has acquired it and he, I guess Cobain did it in his junior year of high school for some guy who gave him 20 bucks and it says a chunk of weed to paint the Iron Maiden artwork on the skate deck. <laughs> so he did. And somehow now Tony Hawk has it and he authenticated it and he's replicating it and making a few and they went on sale. These started to go on sale Monday, which would have been Kurt Cobain's 56th birthday. And he's, he's selling it for charity. The proceeds are going toward raising awareness for mental health and toward building skate parks. And cool. in, an inst yeah, in an Instagram post, Tony Hawk said on his Instagram that he was also inspired by Kurt Cobain's daughter, Frances Bean Cobain, to replicate the deck for charity. And they're available, OG, oh, for $420. <laughs> and they will be snapped up as oh, fast yes. as they're put out. Oh, I bet yes. so. 
in various prints and stickers as well. And you can go to Tony Hawk's online shop, which it's which is TonyHawk.com. It'll make a fortune. Go to the shop and buy them. So good for him. That's a nice touch. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one should be interesting too. I don't know where they find this stuff, but uh, David Bowie's. uh, There is a new display of Bowie's uh, Bowie items. Eighty thousand of them. Now, how, little, how in the hell they found 80,000 items? Uh, the iconic striped suit, which he wore. I don't know what era this was, but you see, it's, um, it's hard to even describe. But it is only one of 80,000 items on display devoted to him. Um, this opens up. Let me, I, can't, I haven't gone down far enough. The sound and vision collection features handwritten lyrics, letters, music, costumes, photographs, film, videos, set designs, album artwork, and awards from his remarkable uh, career. It's still kind of hard to realize that he's gone uh, and has been gone. Talk about somebody who was a chameleon who had so many different iterations in his life. Uh, But there are uh, self-portraits, instruments owned by him. He's been dead since 2016. Jesus. Uh, The David Bowie Center for the Study of Performing Arts opens up in Stratford, East London in 2025. So it's being curated now, but 80,000 of these things. Uh, it was acquired by the Victorian Albert Museum, which says it'll allow uh, fans to get up close and gain new insights into Bowie's creative process. Uh, all of the gear from Ziggy Stardust. Hmm. Who had all this stuff? His estate must have kept everything he ever had. Um the Aladdin Sane tour was in 73. Uh, he was an entirely uh, new look, new sound, and they have all of that. The archive includes more than 70,000 photos, prints, negatives, and slides wow. taken by some of the world's top photogs over the years. <laughs> um, so, obviously, he was one of the great musicians and performers of all time. His influence can be heard everywhere and his innovations continue to inspire 80,000 items. And that's opening up in 2025. That's a bunch. So that will be something to maybe a destination place for some people. So that's pretty cool. Um, There's all, I have a song to play. I'm going to wait on this one. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Wes heard it too, but there's a new album coming out. Uh, The Rolling Stones dabbled in country music, especially on Dead Flowers. And uh, can you call the tune uh, Far Away Eyes, country-inspired, tinged? They had their moments with uh, that exploration. So there's an album coming out, uh, a tribute album, Rolling Stones, done by country artists. Uh, Wild Horses had kind of a country uh, flavor to it. And so some of the top artists are going to return the love, it says here. A 14-track set, Stoned Cold Country, coming out March 17th. Eric Church, Little Big Town, the Zach Brown Band, Brooks and Dunn. Uh, Laney Wilson does You Can't Always Get What You Want. And we have that to play. And I'm going to save it till next week. Uh, my only problem with the with it's 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 well done, uh, but she's a little. I don't I don't like that the fact that she says can't. Mm-hmm. 
It sounds like an oh. affectation. You <laughs> can't always point. get what you want. That got on my nerves immediately. Okay. Uh, but it's well done, Wes, right? I mean, it's... Oh, yeah. It's it's it is, it's interesting. I don't think it would become anyone's favorites. No, but we might play it once. Uh, but she's the gal that plays a country star on Yellowstone. And she does this, but there's a little bit too much country wooing. Woo! Don't need that. Just sing the damn song. And stop saying can't, because the word is can't. Your country, I get it, but you're doing it on purpose to sound country. So that's just my take on that. Now to other issues. Um, one of the problems that has always faced radio, not always, because back in the 70s, which this radio station or this now online line station attempts to do, is to return to a time when album rock radio played everything, and you didn't consider whether it was hip or not. In the 70s, uh, you could hear, a, I worked at a station up in Louisville, one of the earliest um, AOR, uh, album-oriented rock stations that played Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, but just also consider at the time how much music we had to work with as opposed to how much there is to work with now. Uh, yeah. That's why you can safely say this is seven decades of the best rock and roll ever made. Back then, though, there was no consideration of if it was hip or not. That's why uh, Billy Joel's album, The Stranger, was a prominent... Uh, it, it, I mean, almost every track on that record was played on album rock radio. Um, jazz artists got some airplay. Uh, Herbie Hancock and Stanley Clark oh, yeah. and, 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 and people like that. Along with Led Zeppelin and The Stones and Pink Floyd and Jimi Hendrix and anything that it all goes back to the theory that music is either good or bad. And to categorize it and label it is a mistake. Now, all of that idea has been blown to smithereens over time and it's all fractured. That, uh, that's why <clears throat> there are probably five different rock charts out there. Uh, in some places, and so they categorize artists, hip-hop and R&B, or pop, or rock, or something, but sometimes you can't tell them apart, and so to make it so fragmented, I think, is maybe a mistake. There are some things, though, that FM100 can play that we won't play, because of they, they just sound too poppy and too top 40-ish, but then the lines get blurred. And so you have to decide, is it good enough to play regardless of what category it might fall into? And the answer to me is yes. Uh, Harry Styles. When that first album came out, um, uh, my wife heard it first, and I thought, this kid from some boy band, please. <laughs> well, that was a bad judgment. And I began to play that record uh, at our old station. And I got a little shit for it, but too bad. Um, every song on the album is good. Um, kind of like uh, the album by uh, John Mayer called Continuum. Every song on it was fantastic. Doesn't matter what what they're doing. What If it's not hard rock, doesn't mean it's not good. So Harry Styles, I was proven right on that one, and Casey Musgraves. You can't put these people in a box and call them one thing when they have such obvious appeal to a broad audience 
And both of those artists are now major, major stars. It's all in the grooves. It's what they produce, what they write. If it's good, it's good. As, as many of those albums as there are that were good that we chose to play, there are a lot more that we chose not to because they just weren't that good. Now, Pink is an artist that we noticed a long time ago, I think because of her live show, for one thing, because she was it was just insane. Um, and then you begin to listen to the music. And we're what are the tunes that we have in there from her days gone by? That yeah, are we have more rock than they are feel pop. Good time and trouble. Trouble. Well, she um, this album came out this week. It's called Trust Fall, and I went through it yesterday, and I couldn't stop listening to almost every song on the record. It is a melancholy album. There is some rock stuff on it. And she works with the Lumineers on a track. And one that we're going to play with uh, Pink and Chris Stapleton. Which shows you the cross-pollination of music and artists and how it works. And when it works, it works really, really well. And the fact that she writes, she's a poet. And she writes these things from her heart. And the first one, one that we're going to play, uh, it just kind of gave me chills. Um... We have all lost people in our lives, and it keeps happening every day. We had a friend pass away this week that just shocked us to our knees. And everybody has the same stories. It's heartbreaking. and But we keep on going, and um, uh, it's just, you just, it's just, it is what it is. She lost her father last year, and a close friend, my, my a wife said uh, not too long ago, this song, when I get there, she's talking to whomever the person is that she has lost under the assumption that she will see them again and that they are or their spirit is someplace else. Uh, I found it to be really moving and just a well-written song. We're going to play that first and then the tune she did with Chris Stapleton called Just Say I'm Sorry. So here, for your listening pleasure, is... Uh, two new tunes from the album called Trustfall. Uh, the melancholy and the sadness in this song, but is also um, optimistic, I suppose, in some some fashion. Here it is. Here it is. The album's called Trustfall, Pink. It's when I get there. This is Drake Digital. <laughs> 